Welcome to Another Day Above Ground, a show for, by, and about baby boomers. It's the podcast for people who have no idea how to download a podcast. And now, here's your host, Dale Irvin. Welcome back, my baby boomer buddies, to Another Day Above Ground. This is where we talk about everything that's relevant to the baby boomer. And when I say we, I mean myself and my two partners. First, let me introduce from the mile-high city of Denver, Colorado, Carolyn Strauss. Hey, everybody. And yeah, 2021 is starting out with a bang. Colorado State University has discovered a snake that can form itself into the shape of a lasso and climb poles. So, you know, you used to think that you could put poles out and put stuff on top of poles to keep them away from snakes. Not anymore. And how that applies to us as baby boomers is these snakes, they're brown tree snakes, and they were introduced in, oh, 1950 in the 50s so yay us another way our kids can blame us for ruining the world (laughs) has has anybody thought about protecting the dancers on those poles because they they should not be (laughs) no it's the snakes sitting around the poles that they need to be protected from i don't how do they pick up their dollar bills i have no idea (laughs) but and and our other partner from the great state of Indiana, please welcome Mr. Tim Slagle, the Aristotle of comedy. Hey, uh, celebrating today, there is a new resident in the Oval Office basement. <laughs> Are we having a parasite moment? Is that what's happening, Tim? <laughs> and uh, they had to they had to reinstall the lock, so they're now on the outside. <laughs> and I just, I just, <laughs> I just, just heard that uh, Disneyland, which has been closed throughout the pandemic, Disneyland is now going to be open to give vaccinations. Only Can you, you imagine? Through, only if you sit through "It's a Small World" thirty times. <laughs> you have to sit through that. As they, if you they get you that, as you get out of the boat. Give... It's actually perfect. There is no one better than Disney at managing enormously long lines. <laughs> and the vaccine now they got lowered to sixty-five and and over. So I, you know, I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna get in line. I think I've been using the uh, uh, the other one, the Irish vaccine, which is one shot a day with a beer chaser, and uh, that seems to be working. So far. <laughs> Me, I just keep a keep a fresh fresh tin of aquarium cleaner ready at the ready. <laughs> It's a, it's a, it's a it's a whole new year but it sure seems like the 13th month of 2020. Anyhow, you know one of the things that we're all concerned about as baby boomers is are are, are we aging out of our jobs and if so, where are we going to get a new one? Now none of the three of us really have ever had a real job so we <laughs> we so we brought in a guy who did and can tell us exactly what to do he told me that he just got off his 115th television interview and decided to come on this show next and boy talk about a downturn in your career <laughs> richard humbert otherwise known as the recruiter guy is uh, has just written a new book called Expect Success, The Science of the Over 50 Career Search. Bill, welcome to Another Day Above Ground. 
Thank you, Dale. It's great to be here. First question I got to ask, what is a recruiter guy? When I first heard that, I thought, oh, geez, he works for the Army. Uh, no. You know, it's funny. I've had that before. I, I'm i a professional recruiter. I've been a recruiter since 1981. So that almost makes me a baby boomer just based on how long I've been doing this. And as a recruiter, what do you recruit? Whatever my client needs. Uh, one client wanted me to create a pool of CEOs and CFOs with corporate turnaround experience. And in six months, I created an a group of CEOs and CFOs, there was 93 of them that I screened, and they all had corporate um, turnaround experience. And they could all swim. And they could swim, <laughs> I think. <laughs> At least the financial on, waters, anyway. Depending on what somebody wanted, you know, you could find it for them, which depending on what they want, it could make you a pimp. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, I've I've been called that on occasion. Sort of like a headhunter. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I that model I started out in, but since 1992, my model has been to work with one company at a time and then charge a flat monthly fee. So it's a a completely different model. So that way, I get in, I understand their culture, I understand their needs, and that helps me go out and find the right people for them. And where do you find your people? Do you go to LinkedIn and find them? I find them everywhere. I find them on LinkedIn. I find them through networking. I had one one guy that I was talking to him in a Radio Shack of all places. This is back in the early 90s. Had to be. I was talking to him in a Radio Shack, <laughs> and I was looking at computers, and he said, what do you do? And I told him, he said, you need to call my daughter. And so she was working for one of the big four, and she, I guess it was probably the big eight back then. And she said, so I called her and she said, where'd you get my name? I said, I got it from your dad. He gave me your name and phone number, said you hated your job. And, and he <laughs> said, I should call you. And she was and she, shopping at Tower Records at the time. So, <laughs> right. And so she, so she didn't believe me. And I said, well, I'm, I met him at the Radio Shack in Frederick, Maryland. And she went, you did meet my dad. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, she said, what are you doing there? Well, I was shopping for a computer. It's like, oh, man, do you need me? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah those cassette drives just don't work. <laughs> exactly. Well, so, yeah. Before, oh, go ahead. Anyhow, before we get into your, uh, into your book, you've also got some of the more interesting stories I have ever heard. And I think baby boomers will especially relate to them because what it was in, uh, in, in 1970 or so, you decided to hitchhike across the country. You know, in 1969, I remember the day, it was Easter Sunday, 1969. I grew up in Maryland. I pick up the Washington Post after mass and I'm going through the Washington Post and I spotted an ad from Greyhound that said they would get you from Washington, D.C. to Los Angeles in five days. Well, okay. my mentality was, if they can do it, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I set a goal to hitchhike from Washington, D.C. to Los Angeles in five days. Wow. Weren't your so parents pissed that you skipped Easter dinner to do that? No, I didn't do it right then. I did oh. some planning, and 
I ended up doing it in uh, at in the middle of the summer, actually. And I I did the right thing. I properly set the goals. Oh shoot! I wish I had them out. I still have my signs from those days. <laughs> wow. But you never know when you might have to take off again, right? Always, always. So in five days, how many uh, how many rides did you hitch? And so I I started off hitchhiking from Maryland. Uh, with a friend of mine from Boston that I recruited. So I was recruiting even back in college, didn't know it, but it's what I did. And we knew we had to be in Kansas City by the second night. We uh, got picked up in uh, Columbus, Ohio at the end of the day of our first day by a trucker. And he said, I'll give you a ride to St. Louis if you help me unload in St. Louis. I went, sure. Well, that summer I was working at a Toys R Us dis distributor and I knew how to unload trucks. And so he said, I've got 2,500 cartons. And I said, how big are they? And he told me, oh, not very big. They're about, you know, about that big. They're just aspirin, but not a problem. And so we, Jack and I unloaded 2,500 cartons of aspirin at a warehouse in, in St. Louis in two and a half hours. And so we got back up into the truck and I woke up the truck driver. And he says, he looked at his watch and he said, what are you doing here so soon? I said, we're finished. Here's the bill of laden. It's all signed and we're ready to go. And he looked at his watch again. And he goes, well, I can give you a ride to Kansas City now. And so he gave us a ride to Kansas City. We were in Kansas City the second night. Wow. And well, so then we started hitchhiking the next day down I-35 and we got just north of Wichita and a family with Iowa plates on their car uh, hauling a U-Haul stopped and they said, can you help us drive to Los Angeles? Yes. Well, there you go. Sure. Very and nice. so, so we made it in five days. We got to L.A. two weeks after Sharon Tate was murdered by Manson's clan. Oh, wow. And you just never, you know, you never think about who did it or anything like, you know, you kind of wonder who did it, but you never thought you might meet them. Well, three days later, we set a goal to hitchhike to San Francisco. And I still have my Frisco sign, by the way. And we were in Santa Monica. We got three rides of Santa Monica. We're standing on 101 in Santa Monica. And this car, old Oldsmobile with four hippie chicks stopped. And we're going, Yes. <laughs> and so the girls were smart. They knew how to recruit. The ones on the right side got out. They put Jack in the front seat, put me in the back seat, and then they leaned in towards us. Hey, what's your name? And, you know, I'm Bill. What's your name? And I forget their names now. But so they told us. And then as we we're driving up the road, up 101, they said, um, hey, we live on this ranch up in the mountains above Los Angeles, and there's a guy who's our leader, and he he gives us drugs, and we, we have sex every night and do fun things. You guys want to join us? And Jack and I kind of, he looked over his shoulder like, hmm, might be a great idea. <laughs> and I just... <laughs> 
I said, and so I kind of spoiled it. Unfortunately, I said, you know, we we set a goal to hitchhike to San Francisco in 24 hours because we just re- we really wanted to be standing on the corner of Haight and Ashbury. And so one of the girls goes, oh yeah, that's really cool. You know, we'll drop you off when we're going up the canyon, but uh, you know, maybe we can hook up when you get back. We said, great. And so they dropped us off at the canyon road the Spawn Ranch was on. Jeez. How, how could you forget a name like Squeaky Frome? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know that it was her or not, but you know, it was it was it was six years later when I was reading Helder Skelder and I read that Charlie would send them down to LA and Santa Monica and try to pick up hitchhikers and runaways. Huh. And I oh, went, your life could have been completely different. <laughs> yeah, or not at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but my best goal setting for hitchhiking was I once set a goal in 1970 to hitchhike from Las Vegas, Nevada to Boston, Massachusetts in 24 hours. Okay. Did you do it? No, I did it in 12 and a half. <laughs> wow. 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 Was it a direct uh, drive or did you more than one ride? I hitchhiked a ride on a charter jet. Ah, oh, geez. Okay. 12 and a half hours. That's still a long time. To hit. How do you hitchhike on a charter jet? Stand up, hold on to a balloon with your thumb out? Well, so what I tell people is I get a sign for Boston, Massachusetts, and I go out on the taxiway and I start holding it up and down like this. Of course, you wouldn't get very far that way, even back then. (laughs) No, that's not a good thing to do in a day like this. No, you know, it gets you a ride to jail, but that's about it. Um, I was standing in the terminal where the charter jets came in and came out. And had my Assumption College jacket. I went to school in Massachusetts. Had my Assumption College jacket on. And I'm standing there. And some woman came up to me. And she had a Boston accent. And she goes, Assumption College? Is that in Worcester, Massachusetts? I said, yes, ma'am. And she goes, what are you doing here? I said, I need a ride to Boston. Are you part of that Boston group? <laughs> and she goes, yes. And I said, I need a ride back to get back to school can you introduce me to the person that chartered the plane and he said or she said absolutely so she introduces me to a guy by from boston now this is you know a trip to las vegas and his name was johnny z <laughs> so yeah, i, imagine, I own the plane what do you want <laughs> i imagine he had some other work that he did in boston <laughs> But he put me on the plane. That's all that mattered. There you go. And you set your personal goal. So yeah. anyhow, let's let's talk about your book, shall we? It, it's uh, it's uh, first of all, I'm amused at the title. Expect success. The science of the over fifty career search. Science. I always thought it was like who you know and what you can do. Well, that's the way you should do it. That's called networking. Uh, that's the way you should do your search. But most people today. They're just satisfied going like this. And then I hope a human is looking at my resume. And unfortunately, most times they're not. That's how we put this podcast together. I know. 
Yeah, thanks for coming, Bill. We really enjoyed having you as our guest. No. (laughs) No, really, what would somebody, especially over 50, because they say that if you're over 50, you're unemployable. That's clearly not true. So how do we do it? Give me three things that somebody over 50 can do to get a job. Number one, make a list of everybody that you know. Not your friends, necessarily. I mean, include the friends, but everybody that you've worked with in the past that even maybe you've stayed in touch with from college or even high school. Um, I've stayed in touch with a bunch of my friends from high school and a bunch of my friends from college. So it doesn't matter who the person is, it's plugging into their network. That's the important thing. And a lot of times people say, well, he wouldn't be interested. Well, he or she may not be interested, but what they may be interested in doing is introducing you to the right person that they know. And so it's important for people, number one, to do that. Number two, it's important to understand that your resume is not going to get you a job. The resume is the talking points for an interview. That's the purpose of a resume. Now, companies use your resume to screen you out. And they use applicant tracking systems to do that. And they call the vendors call it artificial intelligence. I refer to it as artificial, artificial intelligence, because there's nothing artificial about that intelligence except the fact that it's artificial. So it's only, it's a keyword search. And what they do is um, typically the job descriptions are poorly written, but the applicant tracking system uses the verbiage in the job description and matches it against the verbiage in your resume. And if you don't have the exact same verbiage, that you're out. So let's say that you graduated from Harvard University with an MBA. I doubt that on your resume, you would write high school diploma. But I've seen people get screened out because they didn't write high school diploma because that was one of the things in the job description. It's dumb. So you read the job description and then you just um, plagiarize it into your resume. Um, it's research. Carolyn. Oh, okay. it's, it's not plagiarizing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Plagiarizing is taking from one person. Research is taking from a bunch. Oh, <laughs> so much better. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Now. Sure. Yeah. yeah, it's research. <laughs> and so, yeah, you do the research. Um, The problem is that somehow these applicant tracking systems can always figure out holes. It's just, it's amazing. So, uh, but there is a a software called jobscan.co is the website. And you can match your resume up to the job description and they'll tell you where you're missing verbiage. Is that free? I think the first few times are until they get you hooked. 
Okay. And then the third thing somebody can do. So we're going to, we're going to use all our friends. We're going to copy other people's verbiage. What else are we going to do to get a job? It's really exciting for me. So you don't use your friends. Oh, you networking is a two way street because sooner or later, your friends are going to come to you and ask you to be on my podcast. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there's that. But, you know, it's it's networking. And in the networking process, you're going to turn around. You're going to help them when they need help. The third thing is to understand that's, that the salary negotiation can kick you out if you put a number on the table first. So in any negotiation, if the party that puts a number on the table first loses leverage. So if you put a number out on the table and let's say, let's say just for kicks, it's a hundred thousand. You've got experience. You deserve at least a hundred thousand. You put a hundred thousand, but let's say you don't have the exact software experience that they're looking for. So then they'll say, well, you don't really have the software that we're looking for, or you, you really haven't worked in our industry. So they use that as a way to, to chop you down. So I coach people and in my books, I tell people, don't put a number on the table anywhere. If uh, usually in the applicant tracking system, they have you fill out an app application and that's a bad sign all by itself, but they ask for your current salary. And by the way, in 21 uh, states and cities and, and counties across the United States, you're not allowed to ask that question anymore. Um, and then they ask you what, do you, what do you seek? Well, as soon as you put a number there, you've limited what it is they're going to offer you because if they really like you, that's what they're going to give you. But okay, here's what you do. Here's what you do. You're sitting across <laughs> from a guy. You don't want to put the first number out. So what you do is you say, all right, I'm going to put what I want down on this little scrap of paper. You do the same, what you're offering. You trade papers. Yours is blank. You open his, go, this is all? That is one oh, way of doing it. A much bigger laugh on that. Maybe that was all <laughs> in my head. A lot of stuff happens there that I'm not aware of. <laughs> yeah, see, the beauty is most of you guys, you know, you don't have to worry about this anymore. But for me, this is what I live in. The, and the best part is, as a recruiter, I know what you can say. So basically what I need is a pimp or an somebody, agent. Somebody like me, if you're looking for a job. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Uh, let, wait, let's let's define that. She said a pimp or an agent. You said somebody like me if you're looking for a job. Depends upon the kind of job on which one she's going to need. So I don't want any of our listeners to think, ooh, I, I know what she does. True. <laughs> and I, looking for a job. I don't want them to get confused either because that's, you know, because then that'll reflect on me also. Well, yeah, and you're going to have to invest so much more in gold jewelry. But, Botox. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're over 50. Botox, man. Exactly. So, okay, I, I'd like each of us to, to answer this question. If you're over 50, but imagine we were even younger and still in the good job market and things, what would be one thing that you would want out of your job? Oh, six weeks paid vacation. Okay. 
So you can get a job in education and get that. There you go. You take three months off. Enjoy yourself. You love kids. And uh, <laughs> I do. If they're cooked right, they taste just like chicken. <laughs> yep. Tim, what would you ask for? What? Uh, what uh, would you ask? Fr- free drinks. <laughs> well, you know what you excited? should do, Tim? You should work in a comedy club. <laughs> 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 you should be a comedian. <laughs> Great. Great. Find me one. <laughs> Well, well, you know, I I would probably uh, I, I definitely want my own bathroom because I I don't I don't like going to the bathroom where other people do. So I would like my own bathroom, and then I could pretty much do anything from there. The bathroom, you know, with a little desk. So we want lots of vacation, our own bathrooms, and we want free drinks. What job can you get for <laughs> Now, see, what I can do is coach you how to find that job by asking a lot more questions. Ah, okay. And undoubtedly that you charge by the hour. Uh, no, no, I charge by the package, and I can tell that um, I become wealthy with you three. <laughs> <laughs> I have one question for you, Bill. Can you find us a job? That took us exactly three seconds. And yeah. that's the only question. Yeah, I what, need are, to ask. what skills did we just list? Oh, alcoholic likes time off and uh, spends a lot of time in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> we could yes, be president. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and and healthcare, too. We need healthcare. Lots of that. Yeah. Anyhow, Bill, if uh, people are interested in uh, finding out more about you as the recruiter guy, if they're looking for a job, or if they want to get a uh, an autographed copy of your book on how to find a job over 50, where do they go? That's really easy. I'm recruiterguy.com. And so we're, we're creating right now a landing page for my book. My book will be out in uh, probably the end of February. And uh, really excited about it. Anyhow, Bill, thank you very much for being here on another day above ground. Once again, that's recruiter die, recruiter guy, all one word, dot com. If you'd like to get more of his information. And if you have one last piece of advice, Bill, for baby boomers everywhere, what would it be? Never give up. Just go out. Talk to a lot of people, and the right person will help you find your next position. Cool. Never give up. So if you know somebody tries to take your car, oh, no, I'll shoot them, and, uh, and then try a new position. That's what I got. Well, we would like to thank Bill Humbert once again for being a part of our show as we uh, wrap up uh, the, the middle of January already. I can't believe it's already the middle of January, so that means Groundhog Day just around the corner. But uh, uh, as, we, as we leave, let me see, uh, Carolyn, do you have any last words for our listeners? No, I just... It's, really? It's been such a You always weird... have the last word. It's been so weird already. I'm sure you guys have seen the meme that says I've experienced my free trial of 2021 and I'd like my money back. I'm choosing not to subscribe. <laughs> That's where I am. <laughs> How about you, Tim? Hey, go to timslegel.com. You can see all the places I'm not working. <laughs> and, 
and go to daleurban.com and you can uh, get the Friday Funnies, which is my only job now. And I've, <laughs> every uh, every week I produce a, a five-minute wrap-up of the more unusual stories in the news. So I uh, get it all there. Until then, we will see you next week. We'll go out and enjoy today because it is another day above ground. And that's it for another day above ground. For Dale, Tim, and Carolyn, I'm Farad Muhammad. Thanks for listening.